Welcome. 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 This is probably the best grand podcast ever. We are Ashley Hennon, Sarah Delaviro, and Camille Hughes. Join us while we attempt to stay on track, sharing our opinions, advice, and horror stories from our extensive experience hiring grads and interns. Right now, we're at the end of the 2020 grad recruitment campaign. So we've moved through most of the interviews. We're getting to the point, the pointy end of, we're getting to the pointy end of recruitment where we'll go to make offers. And I want to ask you guys a question because I'm, I'm on the fence about this one and it's not going to be something that resonates for everyone, but it certainly will resonate for some of the people who are listening and some of the people who are going through our process and processes at other companies as well. But from the recruiter's perspective, what do you do when we go to offer and when you're on the phone to the candidate making the offer, they let you know that they've actually got offers from other companies as well. As a recruiter, what do you do? How does that make you feel? Like, what is your reaction? Well, yeah. Um, So me as a recruiter, I don't like that. So... I understand that the people we look for and hire are in high demand and I get that majority of them will receive multiple offers but I think telling me that oh thanks for the offer I've received another one from so and so to me that's kind of saying okay well you kind of cheating on me because if from my perspective if you receive an offer from me I should be your first pick and if I'm not don't tell me that you're considering you're weighing it up between two companies. So what I would just say is, cool, can we speak about all these questions I still have to Mm. ask? And you'll have those questions from comparing from the other offer, but don't actually tell me that you're looking at two offers or three offers. Mm. You wouldn't prefer to have all the information so that you know sort of how to answer the candidate? No, I think, no, I I don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> it's kind of like dating, right? So if, um, and I haven't been in this situation myself, um, but I certainly know people who have, but if, what if you were dating a couple of different people and no, 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 let me, let me rephrase. <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> what if you were dating someone and they came to you and said, actually, I've been dating two or three other people. Um, maybe they won't be so vague. Maybe they'll be like, I've been dating two other people. Um, and I'd like to make a decision about which person I'm going to spend longer term with. Yeah. What are your pros and cons? What are your benefits? What are your weaknesses? What can you bring to this relationship? That's, that's kind of my reaction, you yeah. know, in line with what you said there, Ash, about, yeah. you know, how it feels when someone's like, hey, I've got all these other offers. And mm. I'm like, what? What? Yeah, what? We should be your number one. If you're, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, is that just... Is that just, you know, pride as a recruiter? Yeah, but also I think I just, even if I'm not your first preference, pretend that I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just that whole thing, like, don't tell me that you've got five offers. Just say you're so excited for receiving this offer. I've still got a list of questions. Can we please go through them? Mm. You know, and that that's like I said, you have the two offers in front of you going, okay, I'm going to compare this. But, yeah, not actually saying that you have the offer. I think. Yeah. Yeah, because it just leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I mean, I've spent all this time with you for two months, taking you through the process, and now you're saying to me, oh, I'm not sure I'm comparing this to another offer. 
Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, it's a bit hurtful for me. Yeah. And it kind of, I mean, as a recruiter as well, it might raise questions about retention. So if you're not sure that you want to be here, then I'd prefer to give, well, you know, we only get a certain number of offers. Mm. I prefer to give it to someone who does. Who really wants the job. Yeah. yeah, and so it's kind of to your detriment as a candidate to tell me that this may not be where you'll land. It's okay to turn the offer down. Like, that's okay. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, mm. I see your point about as a recruiter. Okay, so add this layer. Would you rather a candidate just turn, like, okay, cool, actually, no, I don't want it, um, and decline your offer than give you the opportunity to sell them your grad offering? Yeah, but that's... I think, to my point before, I would tell them to just ask me questions, not saying I'm competing offers, I've just got all these other questions. So still give me the chance to talk about the benefits and Okay, but what if you didn't know what questions to ask? As a graduate, you're new to this, this is all a new experience, having multiple offers, you have no idea kind of what you should be looking for because those things we know come with experience. So if you're not entirely sure on what questions, what do you do then? I think you've gone through multiple recruitment processes then, right? If you're going for, call it three jobs, just to make it simple um, so that we talk about the same example. If you're going for three different jobs at three different companies, then during those recruitment processes, stuff will have come out from one company that you don't know if the other two companies offer or Mm. that you don't like it, you know, company B, that you don't know if that's the same at companies A and C. I think that there's an opportunity during recruitment to flesh out some of that information Mm. and to start to compare apples for apples. And I think you, it's not like you come in and you do one interview and then you have to make a decision. Like there's multiple rounds where you'll be given an opportunity to ask questions and to make notes and to start to form an opinion. Yeah. And you'll, you'll have that opportunity to speak to multiple people too. So you'll get different layers of the business throughout that process. Yeah. So I think like, to your point, Cam, making a list as you go along is smart. You know, I think, oh, I really like this of that company. So you have a list of company A, B, C. Mm-hmm. You've got the list of things you like and things you don't like. So at the end of the process, if you're lucky enough to receive all three offers, you've already got a, kind of an informed decision along the way. Mm. And it's not even just what you like and don't like. It's like what you know about those companies. Yeah. Because if you don't know the same things about all three companies how can you compare yeah you're not comparing yeah yeah and so you absolutely should be taking the time when you receive the offer to ask the questions or to know what you get to know what you've got to ask in order to make that informed decision yeah i think things can get pretty muddy after you've been doing three different recruitment processes yarra river like the yarra um oh no those brown murky waters Um, I think things can get pretty muddy. So when you've been preparing for all the interviews and you have finally gone through them and you've, you you know, you've gone for a couple of different companies, if that's what you've chosen to do, Mm. um, it can be a very blurry line between the experience that you had in real life and what you practiced in the mirror the morning of (laughs) and what information did you actually get from that interview and what, and I suppose my point is like how are you how are you making sure that you capture the right information in real time so that when you are considering and tossing up all of these things and trying to measure your gut feel to make sure that it's not just a bias that you're you know that you're working your way through how do you make that decision well i think to answer that question at different stages you're finding out different nuggets and now you're like i don't know what's happening so to avoid that situation if you find out something 
or even just after the interview, write down a few notes because as humans, you tend to kind of forget if it's a stressful situation. Mm. Like me, I'll walk out the room and completely forget what I just said. Yeah. And like, what did what did I? What was I asked? You'll and remember the model answer that yeah, you practiced. Yeah, not Temple. actually what. I, <laughs> yes, I think um, teaching yourself to make those notes and make yourself remember what you've said will be a good habit mm. process. But we've also talked about before, like how to ground yourself. So it's like holding onto a paperclip in an interview or holding onto a pen. And if you've got a pen, then you've probably got a notebook, then mm. you should be writing the stuff down. And yeah. it's okay to be writing that stuff down yeah. in the interview if if that feels okay. Yeah. yeah. So that you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to remember to do it afterwards or find that time yeah. when you're feeling a bit flustered and stressed afterwards. <laughs> but yeah. Ultimately... All you need to do is to be making an educated decision that will be right for right now and that you'll be comfortable with. Mm. Even, yeah. yeah, it's not for the rest of your life. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Like your 20s is such a period of change. Like you yeah. are not the same person at the end of your 20s that you were at the beginning. Yeah. There will be pieces of you that will be exactly the same, but you are changing everything about your life. You're going to work for the first time. You are moving into a profession for the first time. Mm. There's a lot of new stuff and by the end of it, what you thought you knew at the beginning will be different to what you know at the end of your 20s. And so you're kind of just making a decision for right now for as long as you can with as much information as you can. Yeah, definitely. Also through the process, if you're still not sure and you still have questions along the way, sometimes it's okay to ask the recruiter if they can introduce you to someone else in the business so that you can have a conversation with them Mm. separately, have a coffee with them, also just to understand what the role is and what the company is like. So that's also okay. I yeah. like when people do that and I'm more than happy to introduce you to someone who has a similar background to you. Mm. Um, that's okay too. Mm. And I think there's something that comes into play about like there's lots of different types of unconscious bias. Mm. And during recruitment, one of the biggest ones that people experience is something called recognition bias. And this is something that, you know, at Quantum, we experienced that a few years ago when we first started going to market at scale and trying to find lots of grads rather than just a small number. And we started to partner with societies and we're in a position now where people know who we are like that's and it's awesome mm. but it's taken years of effort yeah. to overcome recognition bias mm. but which, can i say i yeah. think just adding on to that point i think we're still under a lot of recognition bias yeah because yeah. um to our candidates of course they know who we are but to their parents they don't yeah, yeah that's to their point. friends and family like to their friends they don't yeah mm. so i think that's where generally when you are tossing up between companies or when you're telling people you're interviewing they're asking you who you're going for and you're like, oh, I'm going for Quantium. And they're like, so what's that? Like, Who's Quantium? Yeah. yeah completely it's... unheard of. We're no name. We have yeah. no name to, to people outside of our industry. And we won't be alone. I think that there will mm. be tons. And, I, and I, this isn't saying anything about big companies because big companies can, you know, they've got huge budgets, big teams and lots of opportunity and lots of, you know, lots of learnings from their own history and they can run amazing programs, but that is not mutually exclusive with small companies whose name you don't recognize because they do business to business work rather than business to consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Then that means nothing about the quality of their program. And there will be some cool companies who we have never heard of Mm. who may have amazing company cultures and huge grad programs or really specialized ones who are absolute 
ballers in their field who we've never heard of yeah and that's recognition bias 101 it's like trying to push through the discomfort of not knowing yeah. who this company is and what their <laughs> brand is and if you can trust them exactly, you know yeah. i think yeah and also to your point sarah um so you're tossing up all these offers. You're going to ask your parents for their advice yes. and that's when they're going to go, oh, put this extra layer on top of your decision. And then you're going to yeah. go, oh, hang on a second. Now I'm back to square one. Yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, that's why understanding everything through the process, you can go back to your parents with, oh, but this company offers this over that. And mm. Yeah. And I think as well in some of the lesser known um lesser known companies as well or the smaller businesses then there's a lot of opportunity for growth mm. and there's absolutely mechanisms no matter where you are for growth and development and I just yeah I, I suppose the point that I'm, I'm thinking of is from the perspective of a company who may not be as well known as other companies does that mean anything mm. and I don't think it does and I think that's something to be really conscious of as you're considering different offers in this period right now, because you're getting an offer and you won't start the job for another 12 months yeah. and you have lots of different things to consider and you've had heaps of opportunities to ask your questions and to make notes and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, just don't, don't be guided by a lack of knowledge yeah. or a lack of recognizing that business. Yeah. I think also um, another thing to think about when you are kind of you're in this situation where you do have you know maybe more than one company that you're looking at um, or that has offered you I think it's you need to really kind of do a bit of a self-reflection and understand why you applied for them to begin with mm. and reconnect it with those initial what gets you out of bed and I think we've mentioned it a few times throughout you know each episode but it really is the key to 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 having a having a role that you enjoy and being motivated every single day that you go to work and I think it doesn't we can easily forget oh because this is all pretty and shiny Mm. we're just going to go over here but I think sometimes unless that pretty and shiny thing is actually really you know impacting you as a person and getting to to your why and understanding what it is that you want out of your career it's not going to be the best thing for you at the time Mm. like if you're learning and development means that you want to be you know really successful and and you know in 10 years you're not maybe not going to get that at you know a larger firm where you're competing against so many other people and you may need to be 30 years before you become a partner or something like Mm. that Um, that's the norm of the industry yeah because that's the industry and that's the business and you're competing against you know 1500 other graduates who all started the same year that you did around the globe like i think that's the reality as well of some of the the businesses that you will come into contact with when you're applying for roles is you've got to think mm. about where your like what your why is where you want to be and what you what you believe is going to be your your career going forward because mm. um, sometimes reaching those higher levels is easier to do at businesses where there's a lot less competition um, internally mm. I think also as you go through a recruitment process your view may change you know, you might have started out thinking, you know, I've got companies A, B and C, my preference is A. And then throughout the process, you really like the people that you've met at B and you really like the company culture of C because they have a beer trolley or they have <laughs> <laughs> a beer trolley. What? Um, no, because they have, you know, they've got 
big investments in this area, which you didn't realize were actually something that you were really keen on. Like they invest heavily into, um, I don't know, stocking apple juice in the office and you're really into apple. I don't know. You know what I mean? But you might, you might flesh out these things that you're really keen on that you didn't realize. And that makes your decision harder. Mm. So sort of going back to the original question, mm. you may, you may not have an immediate preference Mm. You may end up at the end of these three recruitment processes with three really cool offers. You may not, but you may. Mm. And if you're in that situation, then like, how do you weigh up? I think as much as we, we talk about making an informed decision and, you know, we hire data analysts and engineers and people from STEM backgrounds. So everything's analytical mm. and you're thinking logic and making the best decision. But I think there's something in just following your gut feeling as well, like your intuition. Mm. You'll know how you feel when you get that phone call, when you see that missed call. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if that feeling is a happier and a brighter and a more exciting feeling than when you have a phone call from someone else, then go with that one. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's like walking into a party and going, oh, this is not my crowd. I want to leave. That's right. As opposed to... This is awesome. I'm going to stay in. That's right. There's like a lot of boogie. interesting people here. Yeah. And boogie. <laughs> <laughs> like it. <laughs> boogie. At a oh, disco. Yeah. I'm not so, 70. You're so everybody. old. This is like my dad. <laughs> going to the disco. Like, yeah. So we're going to, like, yeah, you're going to the disco. What? Yeah, that's no. a really good point, though, too. Um, As yeah, a human, you have that instinct. Exactly. Yeah. And that's always going to trump any other logical decision you make because that's what drives you. Like that inner feeling is what says whether you're happy somewhere or, or you're not. Mm. Yeah. And I think we need to pay it some attention as well. And we've talked about it before where I think Sarah had read the article about people changing careers. Yes. How, how uh, often was that? 3.7 times or I don't know. <laughs> A lot. I think it was seven times. Seven times. Six or seven. Let's go 6.9. Let's Why? 6.5. Because just to I love a decimal point. Talk to me. <laughs> yep. From all the maths that we do as recruiters. <laughs> yep. Um, but if you change careers all the time and you, you know, you've run through the interview process, you've got the offers, you're tossing them up, you've got your notes, you're doing your pros and cons, you're talking to your family, you're balancing out your recognition bias. Woo, That's a long <laughs> Wow. So this, this is spent weeks, guys. This is spent weeks. This is, this is everything yeah. that you should have been doing that entire time, hopefully. Um, well, they will now. Well, it's too late. This it's too late. You've oh. stuffed it up, everyone. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> They've got to learn. No. Even once you've accepted an offer, so you finally pulled the, you know, you've pulled the pin, you've accepted one of the multiple grad offers that you got, um, or you've accepted the only one that you got, which was your top preference anyway. Cool. The job actually probably isn't going to start for about 10 or 12 months. Now what? Now what? <laughs> yeah, that post-offer pre-start period. I think it could be helpful to talk about what that looks like. Yeah. What does Ash call it? Pope. She calls Pope. it Pope, but that's not even what the acronym. <laughs> that's not even what the letters are. But where's it's the S? It's pops. actually Pops, but I say Pope. Why? And I've been saying Pope for the last four years, and I'm just <laughs> it's just in my brain. You can't change it. Post-offer pre-entry. Sure. <laughs> if that's what you need to tell yourself. <laughs> yeah, the Pope period. The Pope, the Pops. Pops. Anyway, it's about, yeah, it's 10 to 12 months, assuming that you are recruited, you know, you get the offers in April and then you don't start until February following, mm. uh, which is kind of where we're at at the moment, recruiting for the 2020 cohort. Mm. So what do you do 
during that period. So some companies, or what can you expect? Or what can you expect? Yeah. So some some companies um, will introduce you to a buddy throughout that period just mm. to keep you engaged. Um, some companies will send you newsletters during that time. Some companies don't do anything. Yeah, I think it's more common to not do anything. Yeah. So don't expect anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's the only time in your entire career where you're offered a job a year in advance. Yeah. Yeah. That never happens. Which and I think it's thing. okay. Like, if yeah. nothing's happening. That's okay. They haven't forgot about you. Like, trust me, we have not forgot about you. <laughs> We're doing plenty of work in the background to prepare mm. um, and get the business ready for you. But it's if we're not in direct contact, that doesn't mean that mm. there's, you know, there's anything Something wrong. Yeah. And, I mean, if you are stressed, reach out to the recruiter. I've had a few people uh, reach out to me in that period saying, is there anything I can be doing to set myself yeah. up for success before I start. Mm. Some places, some places. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, it's like Pope. Oh God. I was thinking about cheesels actually. Oh. Hello. Places. <laughs> um, I want to talk about cheesels. <laughs> I love cheesels. Oh, they're so good. so good. Actually, I prefer Cheetos. Cheetos. The little cheese and bacon balls. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. They're my favorite. So addictive. Okay, like I can't buy balls. them because I'll eat oh, the, whole enti- the entire bag. Without yeah. even feeling any sort of guilt. You don't even think about no. it. No. And then you turn around and you're like, you're like drinking out of the bag. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. They're airy. They just melt in your mouth. Yeah, really oh, do. the saltiness. Yeah. Cheesy goodness. Yeah. Burger rings are my favorite. Really? Yeah, burger rings all oh, the way. Yeah, she was. I like the tang. I like the tang of a burger ring, but I don't know that I'm as into them as I am. Cheese like I could not eat a whole packet of burger rings where I could eat a whole packet of cheese. It's a textural <laughs> thing. I'm telling you. Because oh, they're denser. They're not, yeah. Oh. They're harder, they're crunchy. Yeah, what you about have to twisties? chew them so your jaw would get sore. No, twisties are not really? a Really? No. I'll take twisties over burger rings. I'll eat, no. ch- like, cheese twisties. Yes, the chicken yeah. ones are a little uh, unique. They're, like, <laughs> very artificial. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's like medicine. Yes, it mm. tastes like two-minute noodles. I love two-minute Which noodles. Which I love, yes. <laughs> no, I feel like they don't taste at all similar because really? I like two-minute and I don't yeah. like chicken twisties. All right, blind taste off. Okay, it'll be really yeah. obvious. Which is <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can reach out to the recruiter just to ask if there's something you could be doing in the meantime mm. my advice would be to enjoy the time off go on holiday yeah do, relax like, you relax you know um but some places might say here's you know here's a couple of courses yeah. that you might think of doing through Coursera or whatever yeah yeah other things that you can be thinking about make sure you read the newspaper mm. I don't know yeah yeah, yeah. I find it interesting because we we still get that we still get some of that discomfort mm. even though you know we send newsletters and we even have a welcome event yeah. for the two different cohorts who'll start every financial year and that doesn't seem to change that discomfort for some people who just want to be very prepared and want to be on top of everything and ready to go and ready to hit the ground running which i think is totally okay yeah yeah and i and i understand it like i mm. think you know if at any point when i've changed jobs and I've never had to wait 12 months to start yeah. my new role. Yeah. You know, it's only been a matter of like maximum four weeks, you mm. know, during a notice period or whatnot. But I think even then it's that first couple of days before you're actually supposed to start. You've been told your start time. It's in your contract. You've signed it. Everyone's signed it. It's set. Like it's yeah. set. You still, 
like you're still going to feel uneasy. You still want more. And yeah. I think no matter how much preparation you actually do have or, or have done, sorry, you're still going to feel nervous mm. and anxious and yeah. that's normal. Like don't read into it too much. Like yes. Just take it as that is a feeling you'll have forever probably. Every job that you start, no matter how far up the ladder you go, yeah, you're going to feel nervous and anxious and it's just part of it. It was very funny recently with the latest cohort that we had um, <laughs> on day one of induction. One one person turned up an hour and a half early because <laughs> we'd said the induction started at 10, but then the contract said they started at 9, so they arrived early at 8.30. And and it was just like this, this whole different way of looking at things to what we had expected as recruiters. Mm, yeah. If we'd said 10, 10 is the start time that you would show up at 10. It was just, yeah. it was very sweet because everyone gets so nervous. And then we'd put um, that the start time was 10 o'clock Australian Eastern Standard Time, AEST. Apparently, time zones change and become irrelevant. Did you guys know that? What? I had no so, idea. Yeah, so we'd put AEST. <laughs> oh, and, I'm and the wow. time And the time at AEST <gasps> was a different time to what it was so call it 8 30 when this second person arrived um i'm sorry i'm sorry to the, to these people um but it was 8 30 um when when both of these these people had arrived and we ended up sending them out for coffee so they could get to know each other and just yeah. not have to sit in reception for an hour and a half um and then one of them goes i just wasn't sure because it said aest and then i looked at the clock and aest would have actually been 7 30 and i was like what i Why don't understand Wow, that detail. The detail. But I'll just skip But past I get it. Because yeah. you've been waiting a year and this is the only information that you have. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Which is which is so sweet. I'm but sorry. all that kind of stuff, just you know, but also if yeah. you're not sure, just clarify it as well. Like that's what this is what you have the grad recruiters here for. Yeah. This is our job is to onboard you smoothly into the business. <laughs> I feel like we actually did the I to not be it's okay because Sarah doesn't work at all the different businesses so this isn't going to be most people's experience <laughs> just ours just, just ours get rid of her <laughs> <laughs>